Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Structure is a fixture in my day, now more than ever. I'm an early riser, and one of the first things I do every day is take Jovi, our mini golden doodle, out on her morning walk. Heading into these winter months, as the weather changes, your dog may experience a rough, dry, chapped, or even cracked nose. The dryness ranges from a bit of a dry nose to the intensely dry condition known as nasal hyperkeratosis. While nasal hyperkeratosis can often be a lifelong condition, the good news is nose butter from Rough Nose, spelled R-U-F-F, will moisturize your dog's nose back to health. Rough Nose believes in supporting your pet's health and well-being with high-quality formulated products. All products are human-grade and are made with 100% natural ingredients and were formulated by a master herbalist. Their 100% natural, human-grade supplements are free of any added preservatives, additives, flavorings, or artificial color. All ingredients are organic or ethically wild-crafted and sourced from trusted suppliers and made in the USA. Once again, Rough Nose, spelled R-U-F-F. Visit www.roughnose.com and use coupon code MILE40 for 30% off on your next purchase. Mile 40 is back for another episode, and today is particularly special because Mile 40 has never had on a couple. We've only had individuals come on board so far, and I expect this episode to really be very insightful for um, a bunch of the listeners out there to help them understand how uh, not only are we going through our own pit moments individually, but collectively, you know, we can come together and learn from each other. Um, without further ado, I'm very excited to introduce today Asia and Ricky Wright. Um, Asia and Ricky actually met on Tinder. Um, which when, you know, we had first met, um, I thought to myself, these two have known each other forever. Um, but eventually they got to, uh, they got to know each other. They both work in a door knocking industry in the solar industry. Um, Asia was married previously. Um, and, uh, the story goes that Rich called her very late at night. Uh, that first night, um, when, when they got talking, um, and originally it was a turnoff for her, uh, but her gut told her to answer. Uh, the initial attraction, as she shared, was the fact that he really had a growth mindset. Um, she agreed agreed to a date pretty early on, and in her own words, she hasn't looked back. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into this a lot more. Uh, but 
welcome to the show. Really good to have you guys here today. For sure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for the awesome introduction. Thanks for the hospitality. Uh, you're amazing. We're excited to be here. Of course, of course. Um, so I want to dive right in because I think one concept that has been consistent in all of our conversations so far is the idea of the growth mindset. I mean, in getting to know you both, um, I've understood that you've been huge proponents for sharing that mindset uh, across your own community. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your path to accepting, embracing, and delivering the mindset was easy in and of itself. Um, and so if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of turn the mic to you a little bit, and maybe you could share a little bit about your own personal path. So Ricky, if you want to kick us off and then Asia. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wow. Personal path. Um, so grew up in uh, Welcome, North Carolina. So not a lot of people know where that is. But the, the sign literally says, welcome to welcome. Uh, I drove her through one time and I said, don't blink, you'll miss the whole town. Um, so very little town. Um, <clears throat> kind of how I grew up is around three years old, uh, my father ended up leaving. Um, and long story short, that was different to me because I grew up a lot without a dad. <clears throat> so I grew up without that that masculinity side. Um my mom uh, was was into women. Um, she was gay. She was lesbian. And one of the things that I grew up in my house was there was always women in the house. Right. So I grew up with that, without that strong masculinity, but with strong love, strong care. Um, and it was more of an emotional side than a masculinity side. Right. A physical side. Right. So it <clears throat> it helped me as I got older to be also strong and masculine, but also soft, empathetic, um, and just loving and caring. Right. So as the years went on, I grew up with a brother, um, that was autistic. I'll get in at, into that a little bit more, but, uh, do you know the sheds you pour your lawnmower in? Yes. Okay. So we moved probably 26 times. Um, definitely not a rich family. Uh, we moved about 26 times in our last spot. We were growing up in a shed. Uh, we stole lights off of the, the next door neighbor, didn't even know. And when we would take a bath, we would heat up water on a kerosene heater um, and pour it over our heads. Um, when I went back not too long ago, it was still the same exact way. A lot of people in this world where they don't have a growth mindset, they go through a revolving door just with different characters, right? So, um, I never grew up with like parental guidance just because my brother was autistic. It was hard for me to accept, uh, but he definitely, you know, was really smart in school. Didn't love, you know, hearing people eat chips, uh, had to eat in separate rooms, couldn't have his food touch, couldn't touch like wooden pencils. So it definitely like the, the, the accessories were there, the triggers were there, but it was hard for me to accept. Right. Um, but long story short, he, as an autistic, as on the spectrum, um, he, we didn't really know he was autistic until he was 22 because we didn't have enough time or money to take him to the doctor. So we thought he was just a little bit different, right? Um, well, over time, my dad didn't have a father as well, right? So with him not having a father, he met his girlfriend at the time of about 14 years. And just like with gangs, they look for love. They don't look for the, the, the horrible side of it. They just look for love, purpose, and family, right? And that's what he found in his girlfriend's father. Unfortunately, 
with that love came drugs, uh, pain pills, uh, heroin, when pain pills were too expensive. And over the years, um, he overdosed probably uh, four or five times, was pronounced dead um, two times. I was the one that found him both times. Uh, not to dig into that story too, too much, but with heroin, there's certain things that you can like put under people's nose or put in their bloodstream to bring them back. Right. Um, so grew up with that. And while my mom was focusing on my, my brother so much, um, I knew, I knew exactly what I wasn't going to be right. Nick Saban, one of the best things he's ever said was the best players learn from their mistakes. The greatest players of all times learn from everybody else's mistakes. So that's what I've been. And, and I'm glad I went through that because when my brother came home, it allowed me to read body language, right? Um, I've been really good at sales because of that. And I didn't even know that it was, I was good at sales because of a past trauma. When my brother would walk in, I mean, I'm seven, eight years old looking at his body language. Is he high or is he sober? Right. And it, it led into being a masterful salesman just because I could read that body language, just like Ed Milet said with his father, right? He knew if he was drunk based on how the keys jiggled, right? Um, but I would, I'd walk to the gym every single day at 12 years old. I was 5'2", 206 pounds. I was the fattest kid in school. I think I was on like sixth or seventh school by then because we moved so much. Um, unfortunately, we moved so much because uh, my mom wasn't very successful at keeping a relationship. So we kind of stayed with whoever would keep us. Um, and we'd sleep on their couch or sleep in a hallway or um, sleep in a closet at one point. Uh, that's where my bed was. Um, but I was 5'2", 206 in eighth grade. I was uh, tired of getting picked on and I changed my diet. Um, and I started doing push-ups and sit-ups. I started out with probably 15 push-ups, 100 sit-ups. Over time, they have this thing called runner's high. You've heard of runner, yeah. runner's high, correct? Yeah, right. Absolutely. So they had this thing called runner's high where after a certain amount of time, your body went numb. Yeah. After 300 sit-ups, Herschel Walker even talked about this too, because he did uh, sit-ups and push-ups to get to where he was at. Yeah. After 300 sit-ups, my body would go numb yeah. and it would just sweat. Yeah. So there was at a point where I'd got so compulsive and... um it was a really bad addiction because addiction doesn't mean uh, drugs. Addiction can be anything. Right. And <clears throat> I got up to 1800 setups a day and 150 pushups. Um, it was even at a point where I was five, eight, one I dropped about 90 pounds. I was diagnosed with bulimia and uh, anorexia as well. So if I ate too much, if I ate more than that cereal in the morning and two sandwiches in the afternoon, I'd either make myself throw up or I'd go run a mile and a half. Um, my mom looked at me and was like, listen, if you're scared for the weight on the scale to go up, start gaining muscle. And I was like, okay, like that makes sense. Right. So I traded one addiction for another. Right. Um, I went to do, uh, working out, right. Working out as much as possible by my senior year, I was playing football, um, had a couple scholarships, a couple offers to go places. Um, I was in the strongest 17 year old in the, the Southeast region of the United States. Um, and college wasn't for me. Uh, I felt like I was going to major in alcohol and minor in uh, something else. Right. So college wasn't for me. Um, so I went to the military instead. Um, went to the military. Uh, they were like, Hey, your PT test is a mile and a half. 
sit ups and push ups. I was like, I've been doing this for eight years. This is great. Yeah. yeah. Right. Destroyed it. Uh, was in the military for four years. Had a couple of traumatic things happen there. So I ended up getting out while I was in the military. Um, I became number two in the world for powerlifting uh, between 20 and 23 years old. I was right up there with Larry Wills. Larry Wills was number one at 20 to 23 at 275. I was number two. Um, after all the, the crap I put my body through to keep it clean, all the crap that I put my body through, I was 23, 24. And a gentleman, one of my mentors at the time said, this situation that you're in, yeah. you haven't had an injury yet, yeah. but uh, it's not if, it's when. So do you think this is a lifelong career? I said, well, no, it's my ego more than anything. He said, oh, okay, so you have ego and pride. You want to be noticed, right? I said, maybe. I said, I want to be great, right? That's, that's why I'm at the capacity that I am right now. He said, well, you need to find a lifelong career and give this up because it's not if you get hurt, it's when you get hurt. You want to die at 50 being known by a little bit of people? I was like, wow. Okay, that makes sense, right? So um, <clears throat> my the worst story is coming up. Uh, went into timeshare. I was doing sales. I'll make this pretty quick. So I know you have yours too, but I was tired of getting told what I was worth. In the military, they literally, it was command and control, command and control leadership type, right? They were like, hey, do this. Hey, do this. Hey, do this. Hey, do this. And you did, if you were at lesser rank, you did it. That's it. There was no love, affection, care. It was command and control. How can I move this puzzle piece to make this better and to move the needle? That's it, right? Mm -hmm. And your worth, no matter how much you give me, your worth is 30,000 a year. I was tired of somebody telling me what my worth was. That's ridiculous, right? So I got into sales. I was like, okay, let me get into sales. I can't hide in the bathroom and still make my hourly paycheck like most people in the world have done. I've been there. We've all been there, right? So I went into sales, went into car sales, went into phone sales, uh, was number one at every company I ever touched. I think it was because I was good at reading body language. I was good at manipulation because of my mother and my brother. Um, didn't know that at the time, right? And went into, I heard this guy say, hey, they're in, uh, I was living in Knoxville, Tennessee at the moment. They're in Sevierville, Tennessee, making $300,000 a year, mm -hmm. average. Mm -hmm. And my ego, uh, excuse my language, was no. like, that's, that's bullshit, right? You can't make $300,000 a year without a degree. He was like, okay, whenever your ego gets in the way, call me. I mean, it, whenever your ego gets out of the way, call me. And I was like, I was kind of blunt. Okay, what do you mean my ego? He was like, well, $80,000 a year. I mean, $80,000 a year growing up to me, That's you made it. Oh yeah. my God, you made it, right? Yeah. You made 120 grand a year. You had all the answers in life, yeah. right? And so when he told me about this, I was like, you know what? I'll give it a chance, right? Uh, I was in a very bad marriage at that point. Um, I'd never want to blame anybody else. I'll take full ownership based on the book, Jocko Willing, Extreme, Extreme Ownership. Fantastic book. But um, I didn't know myself. So how was I supposed to be in a relationship if I didn't know myself? I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know how to love. I didn't know how to care anybody else because I didn't know how to do those three things with myself. Right. So I was in a really bad relationship, really bad marriage. Uh, I had probably 300 bucks in the bank. And they were like, hey, let's go take this full commission job. So I trusted myself. I mean, I, I'm going to be totally honest. I trust myself. So I was like, let's do it. Right. I had a bunch of Jordans at the time, a bunch of shoes. 
And I looked at my wife at the time. I said, hey, we're going to be making the same amount of hourly pay because we're both taking on this job at the same time. I need you to help me pay these bills. Respectfully, she didn't step up. So I was like, you know what? I'll just sell all my shoes. We'll make make the next pay, uh, the next rent. And I went into timeshare. And one thing that I learned was to basically sell my soul. Um, and in timeshare, there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of lack of integrity. And um, when I went in, I knew I had to make a change. I think my first month um, made around $34,000. It was a blessing to be there, but I had to sell myself. And when you sell yourself, it doesn't feel good. You lose your morals, but over time, you you lose the understanding of your morals because you've already sold yourself. When, you, when you've sold yourself, you sell anybody, right? And I lost that moral compass. I lost being in line with my values. And in timeshare, they were like, hey, it was dirty money, basically. I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, yeah. but it was dirty money. It was, it was strip clubs. They were doing drugs and they were making fast money. They were working 20, 30 hours a week, making 50 grand to 100 grand a month, right? Yeah. And I was like, they were like, why aren't you coming out with us? I said, I'm here to make my money and leave. That's it. I'm not going to get involved in that lifestyle because I'm unfortunately I'm already involved in this lifestyle. Right. And the biggest change in my life came. There was a guy named uh, Jared Randolph. Uh, He was Forbes 30 under 30. Um, He came and spoke or I reached out to him on Instagram Mm -hmm. because I seen Forbes 30 under 30, but he had like 500 followers. Sure. And I was like, he's got 500 followers. There's, there's no way he's Forbes 30 under 30, right? That yeah. pre-assumption. Come to find out he was. And he started teaching me growth mindset, um, growth mentality, mental awareness, emotional awareness. But at the time, I didn't grasp it because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand. Because it wasn't ingrained wealth. in you at that point. Absolutely. I didn't understand true wealth wasn't money. It was how far you have came. That's it, right? Um, so when I met her, blessing of my life, 100%, when I met her, the company that she was working for, they were making just as much money, if not more. And they were on the phone at 11 o'clock at night saying, I love you. I hope your wife is good. How are your kids? And I was like, what is this? my toxic mentality. Yeah. <laughs> what ahead. is this? They care about me. What is this? Right. My toxic mentality was like, holy cow, like, who are you saying I love you to at 11 o'clock at night? Like, what's going yeah. on? Right? Yeah. And um, come to find out, she was involved in a culture that everybody had a growth mentality. Everybody cared for others. Everybody loved others. Right. And everybody wanted to see everybody succeed. So that's when I made the big switch. And what's crazy is ever since I made the big switch, my my life has taken off. And we'll get into that more here yeah, soon. Yeah, no, I'm going to take a quick pause here and we're going to move on to Asia. But I just want to point out for the listeners out there, each of these individuals could have had an episode on their own. And the reason why that we're doing it this way is because there is a theme that we're going to move to, um, you know, after Asia walks us through her story. Uh, but Ricky, thank you so much for going into that. I, I do have one question in particular because we do have a, a good fitness space on on this audience. Um, yeah. In particular, I want to ask you when you were going through that period where it was all about calisthenics um, and the push-ups and the sit-ups. Can you talk a little bit about what your body looked like? You know, uh, before you started lifting, 
I understand that you know you were you were low in weight, but can you explain from a muscle perspective? You know, you're knocking out all those push-ups. How did you feel strength-wise? Um, so a lot of people don't understand. 99%, I would almost say 100% of your strength comes from your core. Everybody wants a strong bench. Everybody wants a strong squat. If your core is not as strong as your legs, your squat's going to be complete trash, right? So um, at that point in my life, I was probably 14, 15, going on 16, um, was probably 8 9% body fat because I was absolutely watching what I, what I ate. Uh, I mean, it was my lifestyle, right? Yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a, an addiction, right? And it could have been sh- extremely unhealthy. But doing all those pushups, all those sit-ups, um, I was extremely shredded. Um, I was, I would hover around one fifteen to, to one fifty. One fifty is where I got pretty healthy. Yeah. Um, but just doing those alone, I was super healthy. And the beautiful thing about it is, when you're doing that much cardio. Even if your body doesn't look the best, your heart is super healthy, yeah. right? Because it's it's just like a muscle; it builds just like everything else. Yeah, yeah, understood. Asia, I want to point out one thing. You've been looking at him as he shared his story, um, which I'm sure you've heard several times. But you've been looking at him with the most authentic adoration, um, and that's something for the audience to kind of take note of. Is um, you know, I, I think she loves hearing the story over and over again because. You know, he talks about the trajectory and 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 the lessons learned, and uh, it all came to um, you know the role that she played and and you know the other people played in his story to kind of get him to where he is today. So let's pass it on to you really quick. Let's learn a little bit about we, you and what you've. Been we doing. hope she loves it, right? <laughs> she I, all I can speak to is the look in her eye. She's got that sparkle that says she loves it, but you know you never know. She's a salesman. Don't be. Don't no, be. You can't take that. It's, it's 100% authentic. Um, great observation. It's yeah. it's true. And I was thinking as he was speaking, just that I'm I'm so proud of the person that he is. I'm proud to call him my husband. I'm proud that he's the father of our you know our children. And it's amazing to be able to build an empire with somebody that that you respect. It's amazing to be able to wake up every day. Um, and just be excited to go conquer the world together, excited for the the challenges, excited for the opportunities, um, and excited to embrace that together. So it's it's awesome. And yeah, I, I 100% respect his journey and just the person that he is. I don't recognize the person he is today versus the person that he was when I met him, you know, respectfully. I, I don't recognize the person that he was six months ago. I think we're both constantly reinventing ourselves. Um, you know, Ed Milet says that he's addicted to the expansion of his being. And I've never heard something that resonated quite so much. He said that at the Arate Syndicate. And it's really stuck with me because I feel like that defines who we are. Um, it's an infinite game. It's an infinite journey. And we're both addicted to it. We're both obsessive, right? He just told you his story about how he obsesses no matter what it is, whether it's working out, whether it's this, whether it's that, he's completely obsessive. And I'm the same way. And I think that that's a lot of what kind of brings us together is just the the desire to constantly progress, um, to constantly advance. Um, so yeah, totally authentic. You're going to laugh and I don't mean to cut off here. So I'm, no. y- you'll learn over time that I'm super sassy, right? So the whole time it. I'm like, 
what woman wouldn't love their man growing and becoming a new man every six months? It keeps it interesting, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> right. We could tell you were sassy with the pink hair. I'm just saying. I don't think you had to, right. to pre-frame anybody. <laughs> right. oh, he has pink hair right yeah. now. I was oh, I can't. I couldn't even tell from the lighting. Wow. Yeah. Um, I get ask, it. It looks good on me. I understand. How long have you guys known each other now? Um, How long has it been now? Oh, man. A year and a half. April. April of 2021. Oh my God. Oh, we definitely, we definitely didn't move slow. I mean, right. No, I know. But I I mean, oh oh my God, because again, for the listeners out there, I've literally, I've been speaking to them now for a couple of weeks and you would think these two people had known each other for at least five, six years. So it's only been a year or so, a year and a half. It's crazy. It's, it's never like, it's never the amount of time that you know somebody. I think you can know somebody for your whole lifetime and not really know them. I think it's about the quality of time that's spent with that individual. And we, I mean, we, we have kids together, we have, you know, businesses together. We have all these things together that really, really help us um, be super present in our time with one another. Well, Jay Shetty says that too. Like if you're going to meet, if you're going to meditate for five minutes a day, you know, if you only spend five minutes a day with your wife, are you going to truly, truly know her in 30 years? Right. So Jay Shetty talks about if you meditate for only five minutes a day, are you ever going to truly know yourself? Right. Same concept. More time you spend with each other, you're on the same wavelength. Like we knock doors together. I know exactly who she can talk to. I know exactly who I can talk to. And we know if I can't get them, she can get them. If she can't get them, I can get them. It's like we're on the same wavelength. Love that. One love one thing that. that I'll say before I kind of go into my background so that people kind of, you know, understand what what even brought us here today. Um, I think a lot of people out there and, and we get asked all the time, like, how do you guys do this? How are you guys, you know, how do you guys work at the same place? I don't understand. Um, and it's it's crazy because I think a lot of people are looking for in a relationship or even a friendship, someone who completes them right? Who my other half, you hear that phrase all the time. And I think it's a great phrase, but I think that it's a little misunderstood. I think that you shouldn't, you should be complete, right? We, when we met, you know, I, I feel like I had gone through such a journey where I wasn't looking for someone to complete me. I was looking for someone who could complement the person that I already was. And I think that's why we, we have such a great thing because individually, we are complete. Our relationship yeah. with God completes us. We look for other things to complete us, not external things. And so when we come together, it's this just beautiful uh, union of of whole people who are able to authentically show up as their whole selves and 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 go do what we do. So yeah, well, I agree wholeheartedly. I think coming into a relationship, it's extremely important to come in as a full cup. You know, to make sure that. Um, you know, you're fully comfortable with who you are individually, because y- your partner is not there to to change you. They're there to, you know, take you as you are and to um, collectively work together to, you know, provide a unified unified product. Um, right. That's even better. Um, so, Asia, tell us about yourself. Yeah. Um, gosh, my my life was perfect up until. Um, you know, perfect American family. I had my mom, my dad, um, we had a a beautiful life and I, I really didn't know many struggles. I was, I was blessed. I was sheltered from a lot of things. Um, and I'm thankful for that until my mom got cancer when I was in middle school. So she had breast cancer. Um, she went into remission 
and it just came back. It had metastasized. And um, that was quite a journey, uh, especially for a middle schooler. Um, and it was, it was definitely a, a big burden. And, and my parents did their very best to shield me of that burden. Um, th- they really did. And I'm, I'm appreciative of that. Um, but it definitely takes a toll. And so, you know, the last couple of years of my mom's life, mm-hmm. I wasn't super present. You know, I was going through my young sort of angry at my parents, not understanding things yet stage. And, you know, looking back, I, I wish I wasn't, but at the same time, I know everything happens for a reason. Um, I lost my mom uh, when I was 15. She, she lost her, her battle and I'll try not to be no. emotional. Um, but she, she finally lost her battle. And what's crazy is up until that very day, when we got the phone call saying that hospice had come in, she opened the store that she worked at her one of three jobs that she worked up until the day she died. She opened the store. She went to go get her treatment and she went to her parents' house just for a little bit of peacefulness um, to escape everything. And, and before you know it, hospice was called in and that was it. And it's, it's crazy to just think that until that very moment, I guess you know, I, I thought, wow, my mom, you know, your parents are invincible when you're young, your family's invincible. You're obviously aware that tragedy exists, but you never truly think it's going to strike that close to home. And when it does, it changes everything. And it absolutely did. But I'm so thankful for the work ethic that my mom instilled because it was that very work ethic and the fact that she was in my eyes, this superhero uh, for our family. She was the breadwinner. She worked the three jobs. It's funny. She was actually also my father's boss. And so after she passed away, he was unable to take on her responsibilities as a manager. And I don't know if, if you guys are familiar with the quality plus gas stations, Um, But they actually have a little efficiency attached to them. Um, And so if you're a manager, you can actually live there. So it's got a little kitchen. It's got two bedrooms, um, some showers, stuff like that. So I grew up there. And and after my mom's passing, my father wasn't able to take on that responsibility, which I completely understand. And we lost our our house. We lost the place that, that we were able to live. And I remember being in my my first day of school and instead of being fully present, um, studying or, or getting to know my classmates or anything like that, instead, I was actually in the back of the classroom on the phone with local realtors to try to find a place for us to live. Wow. But that was a challenge because I was 15. I didn't have credit history. I didn't have any of those. I didn't even know what that was at the time. Um, my father didn't because he kind of was in my mom's shadow her whole life. And so it was difficult finding a place to live. Um, We didn't meet the income requirements. There were a lot of challenges. Um, Fast forward, we found a place. And then my father was um, sent to a mental facility because he attempted to take his own life. Um, And that was tough. So, So I had to immediately go find a job, find a roof over our heads. And even though this is emotional for me, I'm so thankful for the opportunity. And what I realized, not in the moment, we never realize it in the moment, but hindsight is always 2020. And what I realized was that those obstacles are opportunities. And it's because of those challenges that I am where I am today. 
And so people say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry that you went through that, or I'm sorry that you lost your mom. I'm sorry that those things happened to you, but I'm actually really thankful for them. And I believe that they were actually designed to my benefit. And that's a choice that we make every single day. You know, Bashoy, your your book is phenomenal. And a lot of what you talk about is taking obstacles and making them the way, right? The obstacle is the way. The is it a challenge or is it an opportunity? And that's something that is so empowering when you realize that you get to choose what what direction am, am I going to go? Less than 10% of the equation is what happens to you. The other 90 plus percent is what you do about it. And that is so empowering. And I get to to be here today and to be proud of the person that I am because of of the cards that I was dealt. It's not about those. It's how I played those cards. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. There was a long time where I was the victim. I was the victim. I did adopt that mentality. I was in that fog. I thought everything was unfair. I questioned my faith. I questioned everything. I questioned my desire to even still be on this earth. And when you can come from that valley of despair and and instead of being a victim, you can make the conscious decision to be a victor, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of, of the cards that you're dealt, that is empowering. And then when, when that preparation meets the opportunity, like the one we found in the solar industry for myself nearly four years ago, that's what people call luck. And then it's easy to look at myself or Ricky and think, oh, you know, the the cars they drive, the lifestyle that they live, the way that they look, they've just got it or they're lucky. But, but that's not the case. And, and that's why I think it's so important for people to understand the story, because there's a lot of people listening that are in the valley right now. And your valley might not look like my valley. Your valley might not look like his valley in a shed somewhere or, or with a brother that has autism. You, we each have our own authentic valleys. And, and it's about what we do to climb out of those valleys. And what we realize is on the other side of that, there's another one. It's inevitable. None of us are immune to those circumstances, but we do get to choose what we do about them. And that's why I love having the opportunity to, to even talk to people like yourself who have overcome some, some crazy obstacles in life and, and look at where you are now and look at the platform that you have to be a voice to other people. So I think it's a beautiful thing. I feel extremely blessed to, to be where we are. And that's why we're passionate about what we do. You know, it's, I love solar and solar is our bread and butter. I love our other businesses, but to us, it's about breaking free of the shackles of even the the typical American dream where you're enslaved to this nine to five. It's about creating freedom to live life on your own terms and empowering people to, to choose to be the architects of their future. So thank you guys for for having us today. And thank you to all the listeners today. Of course, of course. I mean, everything that you said just kind of hit the core of mile 40 and it's come up several times on this podcast. And, and something that you had mentioned was the hand that you're dealt. I mean, at the end of the day, again, you're looking at two individuals here who came from different backgrounds, had different narratives, both of which could have been looked at, you know, at, as victims. Um, you know, as Asia had mentioned, 
But the truth of the matter is there's still someone out there who would have taken your hands and figured out a way to win with them. And what's special about the way that, you know, you guys coming together is you both took your experiences and you both turned them into opportunities. And I always say that, you know, for someone who applies the growth mindset, chaos is a good thing because chaos presents opportunity. Um, And, you know, for me personally, one example of that was uh, when COVID first hit in, in March of 2020 and living in New York City, you know, things were shutting down and everyone was kind of holding up. And I didn't necessarily take that as a cue to run outside, but I took it as an excuse, as a cue to, to create when others are kind of bunkering down. Yep. Um, and, and so that's when, you know, the idea and the formation of this show, mm-hmm. my YouTube channel kind of took place because it was like, Hey, like chaos is, a, is, a, is a room for opportunity and chaos can come in different ways. And it come for you directly it can come for your environment. It can come for, um, those around you. Um, and so I want to kind of move forward with regards to this conversation around mindset together. So you guys both came together. You, you've identified the fact that not only is it something that you hold very valuable to yourselves, but you see attractive in your part as an attraction in your partner. Um, you know, I, I think that w- one thing that stands out about both of you working in sales and coming out of the bunkers that you're both in, I have to imagine you're both pretty competitive. Am I correct? <laughs> a little bit. <clears throat> okay. A little bit. So I'm, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you guys a little bit, especially because I also come from a sales background <laughs> and I know, I know what that's like. Um, yeah, the growth mindset obviously involves continuous evolution, continuous growth. Yep. Um, my father had always told me and my wife before we got married, you know, in, in a partnership, in a marriage, it's really important to complete as opposed to compete. Um, and um, I'm asking you guys kind of, because the growth mindset has no finish line. Yep. So is there ever a point where you kind of butt heads around um, you know, your views of, of growth or, um, you know, even when you go about building your businesses or, uh, building your home, um, does one person tend to think bigger than the other at times? I know it's kind of like a, no, it's a, a vague it's a question, question, but is it something that's coming across that you can answer? Oh, a hundred percent. He, so this is where we balance each other very, very well. <clears throat> we are both, you know, highly competitive, um, all of the above, but we do have very clear differences. And I think those differences really add such a tremendous balance to our, our business, our parenting styles, all of the above. He's the the executor. Like he, he has an idea immediately wants to execute and I'll let him talk about that, but I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum where if I'm not careful, I can almost overanalyze to the point where it's like analysis paralysis. I see the look in his eyes. (laughs) And that was a hundred percent. I knew that. I knew that term was coming. (laughs) That was me um, prior to he's, he's actually opened my eyes a lot to a lot of opportunities. And this is where, you know, he said, you know, she, I met her and, 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 you know, things have been amazing since then it's mutual. It's a hundred percent mutual. Um, he's challenged me no doubt in areas where I don't necessarily think I was prepared to be challenged, but I'm so thankful for that because it's helped open my mind in the areas, um, that, that I needed my mind open. And I, I think it goes both ways, but he, he definitely, he executes and I'm the structure. I'm the one who's like, Hey, that's a great idea, but have we considered this, this, and this, and let's also talk about the bigger picture of what that looks like. 
right? And something I'll touch on too, like competition, just competing in general comes from me, 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 me. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, When you're in a relationship, sales, relationship and sales, when it's me, 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 go ahead and sign the divorce papers because it's not going to happen. And the reason being is because when you have a growth mentality and we're God-fearing individuals, we are in whatever religion you're in, right? We are in a relationship in a business to serve others. If you're in sales for your paycheck, go ahead and get out because nine times out of 10, you're going to suck. You have commission breath and it's, you don't sell a product. You sell a transfer of emotions. People yeah. buy from you because they like the way they feel from you. That's it. If you can be memorable when you leave, you've done an amazing job. Right. So if you're there for your paycheck, go ahead and walk out. If you're there to serve somebody and love somebody, that's awesome. That's where you're going to meet the most success. Right. So I'm really not as competitive as I used to be because I'm confident if I sit there and love somebody, build rapport with them, serve them, love them. How can I help your family? How can I do best for you? I'm going to outrun you in numbers anyways. Yeah. But secondly, in a relationship, if there is competition, if it's healthy competition, it's still, how can I serve you? How can I love you? How can I be good to you? And that's where if you're in competition in your relationship and it's me, 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 arguments stem from me, 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 me. That's it. Uh, when you're in a relationship and it's how can I serve you, the growth that you can go to, the mentality that you can go to is inevitable. It's indefinite, right? Uh, they have a, a finite and a um, infinite and a finite mentality, right? It's an infinite mentality, right? So just competition is good for us. I think we're not as competitive as most people would think. I think we're competitive in terms of of growth, not necessarily numbers or money competition. It's more we we know that the the money and the success is just a natural byproduct, a byproduct. of us becoming yeah. the the best versions of ourselves. And so we, I, I guess it's more so like our conversations are more so, well, have you listened to the Ed's new podcast yet? Have you, how many books have you read this month? It's yeah. that type of like growth challenge and, and almost competition, yeah. but it's, it is so healthy and it is so like servant mentality and growth mindset oriented that it doesn't, it doesn't feel like what people typically classify like competition mm-hmm. as, if that makes sense. No, and there's two things. If you don't mind, I would yeah, like to speak on. Going. When I came into this relationship, one thing I've always liked, like even when I did my IQ test, like I've always understood I had a 147 on the IQ test. Like I've always knew that I may not be as intelligent as in wisdom as somebody, because in my opinion, wisdom comes from time and experience. Yeah. Being smart to me means you can study yourself. And take that knowledge and implement and change faster than anybody. Yeah. That's what I feel like is smart to me. Because you, you can even ask her too, if, if somebody sits down with me and I failed, failure is feedback. That's yeah. all it is, right? You can't yes. look at failure as a bad thing. So when somebody gives me feedback, it's my opportunity to implement and change, right? And one thing that she said when I came in this relationship, she said, the day that you're not growing is the day this relationship will be no, no more. So obviously that puts a strain on a man. You're like, man, I want to grow 24 seven for my own benefit for cleaning myself, but also completing this relationship. 
But also, secondly, too, growing. um, One thing I'll talk about when I was in timeshare, I was making God, I could make 50 grand in a month. I could make 100 grand in a month. But my bank account never went past 35 grand. Even like the month, there was one month I made astronomical money. I made like 136 grand in a month. Mm-hmm. And then COVID happened. And my bank account went back down to 35 grand. And I was like, why am I in this revolving door with different characters and different paychecks? It's because I wasn't growing. Yeah. So what's crazy is October 2020, when I started listening, I, the first podcast I ever listened to was Bob Proctor, How to Create Wealth and Abundance. It's about an hour long. Mm-hmm. It's on YouTube. When I started listening to that, and I started growing mentally and emotionally, my bank account never stopped because I wasn't chasing money anymore. I was chasing people. There's a gentleman that we have, and, and he taught me the best thing that I'll ever know. When I was chasing money in timeshare, I called my dad. I said, I'm, I'm 23, 24 years old. I have my dream house, dream cars. Um, why am I not happy? I'm still depressed. And I never understood that. It's because I was chasing money. When you're yeah. chasing money, money's faster than you. It will outrun you. You'll, you may get what you want with you one day, but you'll still be like one of those millionaires that are depressed out of their damn mind, right? Yeah. The VP that we have now, one of the best things he ever taught me is when you chase money, you either won't get it or you may get it and you'll still be depressed. So money still outran you. If you chase people, if I take 20 people, 30 people in each one of our offices, 40 people in each one of our offices and show them how to break generational curses by making six figures plus, grow them mentally and emotionally, helping them. If I chase people, money chases me because by helping them, by loving them, by serving them, changing their mental capacity, changing their emotional capacity, for some reason, it pays me. Yeah. And ever since I learned that, ever since I learned how can I chase people, how can I influence somebody, how can I love somebody that much more, the bank accounts never stopped. Yeah. And that's what people have to understand. If you're chasing the money, go ahead and stop now. You're going to fail. Spot on. I mean, I think you're absolutely correct. And I, I, I can relate to that as well. I mean, um, throughout my career trajectory and money, it's, it's very much in line with, with the law of attraction. It's like the less... The less that you seek it out, the more that it will come. You know, as long as it's not the number one thing on top of your priority list, it'll be taken care of as long as you fill in the pieces underneath and, and do the things that you need to do as a human individual um, and in your capacity and honestly, your duty to society, those around you. Um, and, and money will take care of itself For sure. from there. Um, sure. You know, on this topic, uh, you guys have uniquely succeeded in working together as a couple um, and building businesses as a couple. Can we talk about perhaps the leap of going into business together, um, especially given, you know, you've only been together for a short period of time when you made the commitment to kind of take that, that contract essentially and take it one step further. Um, And um, I also want to talk a little bit about how you communicate with each other in moments of disagreement. Um, especially given that you guys share similar mindsets. Um, you know, if you can kind of uh, walk me through a little bit about how you generally kind of call each other out when it's needed. Yeah, I think the the phrase get comfortable being uncomfortable is is such a foundational sort of phrase in in the nature of what we do. And I think that 
you have to have that when you have a growth mindset, because I think a lot of people stay within their comfort zone, not realizing that it is actually their failure zone. Because, you know, there, there's always going to be two pains. It's inevitable. It's the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And I think once people understand that concept, they realize I'm going to dive headfirst into what makes me uncomfortable because that's probably exactly what I need to do. If I feel like I don't need to, maybe that's exactly what I need to dive into. So getting comfortable being uncomfortable is, is huge. But I think when you have a foundation of trust and respect and love, and you're always coming from a place of love and service, he will never question my intentions and vice versa. And when we do, that's an opportunity for us to develop on our relationship better. Um, So just like, you know, what we've been talking about the whole time, everything is an opportunity if you choose to perceive it that way. And it is a choice. And so for us, it's never about perfection. It's just about progression. We give ourselves grace and and we also give, give ourselves back the grace that we extend to one another. So in those moments, there hiccups are inevitable. And the more you build, the more you grow on this infinite journey, just when you get comfortable balancing whatever responsibilities are currently on your plate, you get new ones. And it's never about it getting easier. It's just about you getting better. And I think when you have two people that are on that same wavelength and you've established that foundation of trust and respect and love, there's truly nothing in my opinion that we cannot overcome together. And I think when you have that mentality and when times are hard, instead of doing what a lot of people do, which I think is harbor resentment or frustration and not communicate, Communication is massive in anything that you do. Take the opportunity to communicate and love and serve that person, especially when it's the most challenging. Uh, the f- the five love languages. It's funny you you brought up earlier. I want to know your love languages. Yeah, Ricky. We'll get to that for sure. Ricky called me late, and I was like, "Man, I'm working on a presentation. I, you know, I've got to finish this presentation. It is too late for this boy to be calling me with any good intentions right now." That's what was going through my mind. I'm like, "There's no way I'm not answering this." And you know, to what you said earlier, I had just this inclination: answer the phone, Asia. And so I put my pencil behind my ear, and I'm like, "Hello." You know, I'm a little <laughs> reluctant. I'm like, "What does this guy want?" And the more we get to talking, um, I had just finished reading the the five love languages, and he brought it up, and I'm like, "Oh, wait a second! This is this is actually, you know, I like oh, this divine. dialogue. It it was divine appointment, a hundred percent." And as the conversation evolved. I was like, man, there's an obvious desire to to grow. And I love that. And I can, I can work with that. Let's continue this conversation. Um, And, and so we constantly remind ourselves, if I feel like that person um, is, is starting to, to get frustrated with me, maybe I need to look internally and do an internal audit and say, am I not filling his love tank right now? And if so, what can I do? Because before I redirect his behavior or he redirects mine, we have to connect first. It's connection before redirection. And so we always try to humble ourselves and remind ourselves, okay, let me listen to listen. Let's connect before we attempt to redirect. And let's just show up to love and serve that person. And I truly feel like whether it's in an intimate relationship or it's in a business relationship or any situation, if you show up with that mentality, 
you're, you're going to win. You're going to find a solution because you're focused on solutions. If you focus on the problem, you're probably going to get more of the problem. Yep. Yeah. Um, please ask that question one more time because my mind is absolutely exploding right now. I'm like a jumping <laughs> bean inside. Ask that question one more time. Please. No, it's totally fine. I, I mean, that answer was so good that it kind of made my mind jump around. But I, the question in essence was really around, you know, your success working together as a couple. Okay. Um, and really how you communicate when there are points of disagreement. I mean, at the end of the day, you have the most perfect couples out there and people who are, you know, committed to working together and, and bettering each other. Yep. But no doubt about it, you know, there's always going to be um, areas where you don't see eye to eye. And um, in the context, especially of a couple who both kind of relies on the same, you know, growth mentality, mm -hmm. how do you call each other out? So. <clears throat> Wow, man, I can go like 90 different directions on this. Um, so being able to call each other out, when I first got into this relationship, I'd say majority of the world, and some people are going to be like, mm, this is for me. Majority of the <laughs> if world. Think it's for you. It's for you. Yeah, if the shoe fits, <laughs> wear it, right? But majority of the world, they have that friend that deals with them, that doesn't care for them. Yeah. Dealing with them is calling, yeah, girl, this guy did this. Oh yeah, girl, screw him, right? Automatically taking sides, right? If yeah. you have that friend, delete that contact. And the reason I say that is because the more problem that you talk about, a lot of people in this world, they talk about the problem 99% of the time. And it, and it takes over almost their whole entire day because it's like gossip. It's like, ooh, I have something to talk about. Ooh, I, got, I know the insight, yeah. right? Yeah. But a lot of people in this world, they don't call, they don't sit there and go, okay, I call that person. They're going to agree with me. Maybe that's not the right thing right now. Where can I take ownership? Let me call this individual that's going to give me real advice and call me up. Right. So when we first got together, I would run to her and I thought she would deal with me in any situation, even if I was right, wrong, it didn't matter. And I'd go to her and she'd be like, Hey, what could you have done better? I'm like, okay, like, excuse me. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but the thing is, is in every situation you can't control, you can't control most of it, right? But you yeah. can't control what you took from it because you see through your mind, not through your eyes, right? What did you perceive from it and how could you have done better, right? If somebody, if, if me and you get into an argument, I allowed you to get under my skin. Yeah. You didn't get under my skin. I allowed you to, right? Yeah. And how could I have presented the situation better to talk to you, correct? Yeah. So one thing that we do in our relationship is growing up, there's this book called No Drama Discipline. Good God, please somebody read it. It doesn't just talk about your children. It talks about how majority of the world reacts and responds. In the life that when you're growing up, you're told, no, don't do that. Put it up, put it down, command and control. It's not, how do we learn from this situation? It's obey me, correct? So when you're told, no, don't put it up, put it down, you think that's the end of the conversation. So when somebody, when you get older, since your mom and dad maybe never gave you criticism, you don't understand criticism is love. Yeah. Criticism means this person cares about you enough to take the time out of their day to better you, to better y'all's relationship, to better each other, right? And criticism is love. That's what we don't learn as a kid. We learn obey. 
we learn, we never understand why we understand the what, okay, don't do it, but why, right? My son asked me the other day, he was like, Hey, why, why is your, your bell on your car? Um, because my tire's flat. Why is your tire flat? I need to put air in it. Why'd you not put air in it? Uh, I haven't had the time. Why'd you not have time? And I'm like, wow, like I, I feel triggered right now. Like I literally didn't take the time out of my day to do something, but I could have said, you know what? Just don't worry about it. Obey me. Right. Same thing in a relationship. If one person is trying to win, then it's done. If each of you are trying to learn, serve each other and understand you give your perspective. I give my perspective. Then let's compromise and come to a solution. That's it. So to summarize, we are not the friends that you come to when you want uh, like the validation of, you know, yeah, girl, F him, this and that. Like, we're not the friends who tell you what you want to hear necessarily, but we are definitely the friends that love you enough to tell you what you need to hear, even if you don't want to hear it. It's love. A hundred percent. It's it's such a great form of love. So I think that's how we, we get through it with our personal relationships with our intimate relationship, with business, all of the above. To be in a situation like that, you have to have a relationship, right? So there's people out there, they're like, I hate that person. You can't hate somebody up close, so move in, right? What's crazy is I have two things. I have intent and I have style. My style is what I learned from the style manipulation, the way my mother talked, the way my, my dad spoke. His style, correct? Mm -hmm. So have you ever been in a situation? And I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew your intent was good? Yeah. But it felt felt like you were almost speaking a completely different language to the person? All the time. Exactly. Happens all the time. (laughs) It's because the relationship between you and that person doesn't have a ground floor yet. It it isn't strong, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you have a good relationship with somebody, no matter what you say, no matter your style, they always know your intent, yeah. correct? So even in our relationship, we have great trust, but my style, she sees my intent. She may forget about every once in a while because she's a human, right? Yeah. But if you always remember the person's intent, the style will never get in the way, right? Because your style comes from your trauma. Your style comes from your baggage, right? Yeah. Your intent is where you're at currently today. I think that was so beautifully said. And um, the the, the beauty of, of the way that it was said is also, you know, you don't have, I mean, to my knowledge, you don't have a mental health background. You don't have a psychology background. You know, you've learned this I got this a PhD all. and I'm reading a lot of books though. Yeah, you've, you've learned you know, you've, le- you've learned this all on your own. And yeah. I, my wife's a psychologist. And so she's going to be listening to this episode one day and she's going to be like, wow, like, you know, like, you know, this is the stuff that I learn in school and this is the stuff that I apply with my clientele. And, um, you know, uh, you know, for the listeners out there, this is just a commercial for bettering yourself daily, you know, get out there, (laughs) listen to podcasts, read books, um, put yourself, uh, you know, in environments around people who make you level up, um, surround yourself, people who are stronger, sure. faster, strong, uh, smarter, whatever it may be, and kind of soak it all in. Because I can tell in you know just this last hour of conversation that you have done that with extreme intention um, for every arena of your life, um, sure. and it's just so reflective of of how you're carrying on now. And the best part about it is 
there's no turning back. Like you're going to continue to grow. And like you said, it's an infinite path. And um, that's the beauty of it. Um, Asia, I want to touch on one thing. You know, a lot of the work that you have been doing, um, and 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 you had mentioned this to me, is um, is highlighting the path for for females in your arena and really outside of your scope as well, um, because you guys have shared stages together, you've shared platforms together, um, you, you've been um, in situations where you've been able to tell your stories and kind of use it as a way to uplift those around you. But I know that you've taken a particular interest in, in, in the female world and, and, and kind of how your story can empower those around you. Can you go a little bit more with regards to um, the work you've done there um, and the message that you want the females out there to get from you? Absolutely. Um, I would love to. I, I, I just feel blessed to, to be in a position um, where I'm able to have a voice, um, not, not just for females, but for really anybody who, who is ready to be the architect of their own lives and take that extreme ownership. And, you know, we're in America, we get to choose how, regardless of how we were raised, regardless of our parents, regardless of the generational curses that we may bear, we are empowered to make the decision to become the greatest version of ourselves and create freedom on our own terms, whatever that looks like. And I think that when, when I first started almost four years ago in the solar space, it was heavily male dominated. Um, in fact, the day that I walked in, there was one other female with me. She's no longer here today. Um, it was it was nothing but guys. And I looked across the board and I didn't see a lot of women um, um, in the space. And I thought, man, like women absolutely would crush it here. Why aren't there? Why aren't there more? And I almost doubted for a second whether it was the right environment. Like, why would that be the case? Um, fast forward about a year or so, and I've actually became the first female manager in the company on the sales and marketing side. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. I had a lot of females from the industry reach out and say, yeah, that's amazing. Congratulations. It's so refreshing to see a female in the space doing what you're doing. And at that time, when I started, my son was only six weeks old. So not the time to start a brand new career endeavor. Definitely not the time to have doors slammed in your face for the first time ever, because you're already dealing with this. You got a lot going on at home at that yeah, point. Like biological battle of you know, just the hormones, all of these things. So it was like the perfect storm for this not to be, you know, the best opportunity for me. It would have been so much easier to go settle for something within my comfort zone, maybe a nine to five, whatever it was. Um, But I loved the challenge. And I thought to myself, just because nobody else is doing this in the space, just because the odds might be stacked against you, they have been your whole life, Asia. What's different about this? If there is opportunity here, why not seize the opportunity of a lifetime within the lifetime of the opportunity? And that's what I did. And fast forward, there's so many females. Some of my best friends are leaders in this organization now. And I've seen a lot of people. I've seen a massive, massive shift. Um, and, and females are empowered to be in this once male-dominated space and 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 just be authentically who they are. And it's been incredible to see. Um, you know, if I'm being honest, I think what's what's really amazing is solar is the vehicle that has taken us to build the capital to break these generational curses that we talk about. 
but solar is such a small part of my day. The biggest part of my day is, is what he said, which is loving and serving people. And what I'm passionate about is people from all walks of life. Maybe they don't have a rough background like I do. In fact, maybe they have an extremely polished background where they established a 20-year career. They were a VP of an organization and they walked away from $300,000 salaries. That's a great life. Nobody can complain about that life, but they decided to come to an opportunity that was going to help them feel fulfilled because money is not fulfillment. That's obvious when you walk away from a salary like that. They yeah. want to be fulfilled. They want to belong to something that is greater than themselves. They want to tap into this innate human desire for community and belonging and being able to take the lessons that I've learned along the way, the adversities, the opportunities, and add all those little tools to my tool belt. I have a passion when people walk through that door, male, female, whoever it is, to say, no matter where you come from, this is the opportunity for you to decide what does this ideal life look like to you? What does freedom look like to you? Let's put that on paper and then let's reverse engineer it through this opportunity to figure out how are we going to get you there? What does being a better parent look like to you? What does being a better spouse look like? And how are we going to help you? It's funny because we always talk about, especially in recruiting and stuff like that, the money that you can make. And what I've learned is, is, you know, money is, is not happiness. And to me, the deposits that have been made in my bank account through this opportunity and our other business endeavors have been incredible. But, but that doesn't even hold a candle to the deposits that have been made on my character. That is something that if the business has disappeared tomorrow, no one can ever take that away. I get to be proud of the mother that I am, the spouse that I am, the friend that I am all through the, the development. And, and we joke all the time and say the money is kind of just a lubricant, right? That's it. It's, it's a lubricant of life, but fulfillment and, and waking up inspired and being able to say, I get to go to work today versus I have to go to work today, which unfortunately so much of the world is stuck in that I have to, I have to clock in and out. And so it, it's tough being um, a mom. It's tough because we always feel this guilt of if I'm doing really, really well and my businesses are, are, are doing well and, and I'm making a ton of, and I'm doing all of these wonderful things in the workplace, I'm getting judged that I'm not doing enough at home. But then if I'm present at home and I'm being a, an awesome mom and I'm doing all these things, I'm judged that I'm not contributing enough at work. And I'm looking over my shoulder wondering, is someone going to take my spot that doesn't have the obligations that I do? And it just feels like this impossible standard that, that sometimes women are, are held to. But I'm here to say we can break free of the shackles of that guilt. We don't have to have that guilt. Guess what? When I'm with my family, I'm 100% present with my family. And he helped me learn that. Yeah. And, and when I'm working, I'm present working. And that relinquishes me of having to feel guilt in either situation. I am a kick-ass mom. I am a kick-ass CEO. I am a kick-ass director. Like I am great. And I can have it all. You can have this great, healthy marriage. You can have healthy, gossip-free, constructive relationships and friendships. You can build the businesses. You can raise the babies. Like You can do it all. And you don't have to hold yourself to this impossible standard that I feel like I did 
hold myself to for such a long time. And if even one female can hear this and feel empowered and know it's not about being perfect, it's about progressing and it's about being fully present in any given moment. That's what's important. And that is so, so empowering. And if I could bottle that up and give it to somebody in a gift bag, I totally would. But it's through the process, it's through the journey of, of being able to learn those things to achieve that sense of just peace and comfort and knowing I'm doing the right things. And that's all I can, I, I can do. I can't control what I can't control. So as long as I'm present and I'm doing my best and I'm showing up for the people in my life and, and the moments of my life that matter, that's truly all that matters. I have no doubt someone is going to walk away from that touch. You know, when you were kind of giving yourself the affirmations, like I, my hair is popping up right now. So I, I have definitely women running through walls yeah. <laughs> all over the world. <laughs> I'm so, so excited. <laughs> no, she, she is spot on. And, and I'm really glad that you shared that. And, you know, I, I think that message is an underlying vote of um, confidence for really anyone who feels underrepresented within any sort of organization. Um, and, and that's something to kind of keep in mind is barriers are meant to be broken. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been saying it since day one, and I'll continue to say it, that that's why they were there. And um, it, it's really special um, to hear it directly from you. So to round things out, this is what I'm going to ask you both. Uh, I'm going to ask you both to answer this question. I want you to think about one thing that you've learned about each other that you love Circling back to that very first phone call that Ricky made to you that you almost didn't pick up. What have you learned about Ricky since then that you absolutely love? And I'm going to ask you the same question, Ricky, and we'll finish out that way. Awesome. Uh, picking one thing is hard. There's honestly, like, I'm not just saying this. There are so many. She's things. trying to float my head. No, <laughs> <laughs> there's honestly so many things. But I think uh, most importantly, in all arenas of life, it's just adaptability. Um, and I think that's so critical for us to, for anybody to be able to evolve through life and all of the many challenges. And he's been extremely adaptable. And I know I, and this industry and the growth has made him extremely uncomfortable at times. And it's easy for us to say all of these things that we've learned, but what you're seeing the glory, not the story. And, mm. and there was a hell of a story to even get us to where we are now. And we're a fraction, a fraction of where we want to be. And it's been incredible to just watch him just deal with the obstacles and overcome them. And even in those moments, those high pressure situations where emotions are high and ego is there and all of these variables exist, he always finds a way to take a step back almost in in a meditative state and say, okay, here's what's happening. And what am I going to do about it to walk away from this at least 1% better than, than I was. And the compound effect of that over the time that we've known each other is why I said earlier, I don't recognize the person that he is today versus the person that he was when I met him. But the one thing that stuck out in that moment that told me he'd be able to evolve and roll with the punches and keep up basically was just that, that growth mentality that, that he wanted to learn and he put himself in alignment with ways to learn and humble himself in order to be able to grow. And, and that is exactly why I see myself succeeding with him 
for the rest of our lives. So I appreciate you for that. For sure. Absolutely. Um, God, one thing. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of hard. I want you to um, channel the guy who gave her that call at 11 p.m. I want to also get into your mindset a little bit. We don't have all this time, but I also don't yeah. know what you were thinking calling her at 11 p.m. But maybe start there. What were you thinking calling her at 11 p.m.? Um, so I'll be totally honest. Um, at that time period, um, I hadn't completed myself. Okay. Um, I was in the, have you ever heard of what's called a sapiosexual? I have heard of it, but maybe for the audience, if you could break it down. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a person that's basically, um, aroused, not sexually, but aroused as a person based on somebody's intellect. Got it. Right. As in how much they've learned their wisdom, stuff like that. So I'm attracted. A lot of people in this world, they're only attracted to physical looks, right? Sure. And you look at Instagram gratification on Instagram yep. all day, right? Yep. That's 99% of only they only they only have to offer that, right? So I would say I'm what's called a sapiosexual. I'm in love and aroused by a person's intellect, right? And that's she reached out to me. Um uh, most you, do you mind? Could you explain how you got there though? Because it I think less of it was by choice and more of it was by circumstance. Oh because my God. When I, when, yeah. I, when we got together, I didn't know this, but he was like, he was pretty broken in, in regards to relationships. Yeah. And so that's why, I mean, it was more of a circumstance that made him that way than it was a choice. Now I think it's very genuine, but at the yeah. time. So at the time um, I was a man that looked I wanted to have a hot wife. I don't know how to put it any better. Um, I was a man that um, where I never had love, like contact, physical love from my mom growing up. Sure. My whole entire life without me even knowing I had to figure this trauma out for myself. Um, I would almost, and this is something I'm definitely not proud of. I would almost um, recycle a girl every single day if I had it to just to get somebody to love me and to touch me and to hold me, whatever. Right. And, uh, at that time I didn't understand fulfillment and true love, true arousal when it comes to truly connecting with somebody mentally and emotionally. I just knew physical connection, right. That connection was high. Right. And I dated a lot of these girls. Even my dad one time was super blunt with a girl but I was talking to a girl that was really sweet. Um, she was pretty, but she wasn't like, you know, Instagram model, sure. right? Like knock down, drop down. Right. And he even looked at her and he was like, he was like, Ricky, uh, usually brings like models around. <laughs> and I was like, I, when I heard that, I was like, Oh my God, is that, is that true story? Right. And at the time of my life, I was dating nothing but physical attraction and the girl that I was with, um, she, every time she would get angry, she would take stabs at your character, at intimacy. And there's somebody out there struggling with that right now. Somebody, every time they get into an uh, argument with their person, they're taking stabs and truly breaking that person down, whether it's stabs at sexual, stabs at personal, stabs at anything, just to hurt that person as much as possible. And the woman that I was with, um, come to find out the crazy story. She had two identities. 
She had two identities, two social security numbers, two names. Oh my God. Um, and every kid that she had very weird story. And I apologize for this. No, but it's fine. I always You're giving why, us a twist here at the end. I always wondered why all three of her kids look completely different. And I was like, why do they all look completely different? She was with a man um, and that man couldn't have kids. Okay. So they were in an open relationship where she would go out and have sex with individuals, get pregnant by those individuals and claim them as her kids. Oh my God. In that relationship. I didn't know that at the time. And um, I just wanted to be good to somebody at that point. So by the time I met her, um, I felt completely violated. Um, I was a man that felt like I lost all my masculinity because of the stabs that she made at the sexual side, right? Um, I felt completely violated where I'd never even wanted to be touched physically, sexually again. So I started learning and understanding, um, that I would never talk to another woman again, unless she was in line with my values, which was mental growth, emotional growth, um, loving me and wanting to understand me is just as much as I want to understand somebody else. And What's crazy is whatever you're seeking out there, and this is for the audience, everything that you're seeking in life is seeking you too, right? So you just have to be in line with your values and not break with your values. And that's where I go into this. When I met her, uh, I told her, I said, I don't want to be touched. Um, When I called her at 11 o'clock at night, it wasn't for uh, a sexual call uh, because I had been in a very bad situation. I just wanted to, I was excited about the mental growth that I had made. And I almost wanted to talk about it just in general and come to find the divine is what she was already listening to that five love languages, right? I was in line with my values. And when you're in line with your values and you don't break your values, miracles happen. You put yourself in miracle territory, right? You're a prepared person shaking the hand of opportunity, but you have to be prepared first, right? So a lot of people are waiting for the opportunity. They're like, oh, I'm waiting for this to come around. I'm waiting for that to come around. You have to be prepared and you have to sow before you can reap, right? The reaping, the the lavish, the reaping doesn't come when you want it to. It comes when it wants to, but you have to sow for a long time first, right? Yeah. And that's one thing I love about her is her emotional intelligence, as in emotional intelligence is how much you study yourself when you're not in the fire, when you're not in the high anxiety, the high heat, right? And where she studied herself so much with emotional intelligence, she has a high emotional quotient. Emotional quotient is like being able to respond instead of react in high elevated moments, right? And that's one thing that she's done really well. When I first met her, she had all eggs in one basket. And I said, I told her, I said, you make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year off of all eggs in one basket. What if one person outside of your control makes the wrong decision and this company goes down, all your eggs fall. So we open that vision a little bit to put eggs in multiple baskets because just like, if I'm not mistaken, Warren Buffett has 2,300 streams of income. Yeah. So if one basket falls, your daughter's still fed, right? So that's one of the things I love about her the most is vision and emotional quotient for sure. And I just want to say for a second, I kind of put you on the spot with that. Um, and I don't know 
I just wanted to say, I appreciate the way that you handled it. I think a lot of people um, view vulnerability um, as, as something that is scary, especially men these days. Right. And so I think it's incredible for you to be able to um, express vulnerability as courage, which I truly believe that it is um, and, and be able to honestly express and show up authentically um, for yourself uh, in our marriage, for your, for the audience. Um, so that they can, they can, see the, see the honesty. And I'm sure that connects with a lot of people. And I think a lot of people are afraid to truly be vulnerable because they feel like it's, it's unsafe and, and you, you use it as courage to express yourself. And I think that really resonates with a lot of people. So, you know, I, I respect you for that. For sure. And by the way, that's the first time she's heard that in depth of that story. Congratulations. <laughs> we always love a good first time sharing on, on the right. podcast. So you threw me a curveball and I threw I hit it out of the park. Okay. <laughs> you know, good. Glad glad I got it out of you. Right. Um, well, you know, just for the listeners out there, just to kind of summarize and, and close things out, um, look, it's abundantly clear that each of you guys could have had your own individual episode. And this all comes back to, you know, Ricky talking to his childhood and, and the experience of at one point, you know, living in a shed, stealing electricity, essentially. Um, and Asia talking about you in the back of your classroom as a 15 year old calling realtor, realtors to try to figure out, you know, where you're going to end up and, and where you're taking your father and your next home. And, um, you know, what, what saved their lives wasn't money. What saved their lives wasn't, you know, greed and and kind of um taking 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 but what really saved them was their devotion to um not only this growth mindset but you know the service and and love of others and the way they made it through their pits up to you know their their peaks which are continuing to grow is by focusing on the love of each other and the love of the love of those around them. So thank you both so much for coming on board today. It was extremely special to have you here. And um you know this was really unique to have a couple on board and um I couldn't think of two better people to to kick this off with. Thank you so much for the time, for the opportunity. Um, you're absolutely incredible. Your your story is is incredibly inspiring. And once again, you know, to summarize, it's it's all about taking adversities and turning them into opportunities and being empowered to to choose the perspective to be able to do that and and to focus on the per- percentage of the equation that we can control, which is is not the cards we're, we're dealt, but instead what we do about them. And I think every person here today, that's exactly what we've done. And so we should all give ourselves a pat on the back for that. For sure. Um, and- thank you again. And one thing I want to I want to end this on, Ed Milet actually taught me, Ed Milet, sorry, actually uh, taught me one of the most beautiful things in the world. And we're going to do it right now. And we're going to end this call with this. We're going to say, let me tell you about you. Okay. Your awareness is really, really good. Um, you have a great smile on you as well. Um, you obviously love bringing on individuals that have made a victor instead of a victim out of their situation. Um, I thank you for wanting to love individuals and also do your podcast as well by spreading wealth. Because even though we talk to people every single day, by doing this, we get to spread to thousands and millions, right? So I appreciate you for wanting to love somebody else, putting somebody else ahead of you. Um, You're doing beautiful things in your life. You have a beautiful heart, a beautiful mind. And I'm sure as we learn more about you, there's things in your life that you've overcame as well. So I appreciate you. Thank you so, so much. For sure.
Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 Podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.